Be on every snap and have fun. And last, and most importantly, be physical. We gotta do something. We gotta do something. Put your shoes on tight. And welcome everybody to episode 26, Hard Edge Football Podcast. This is Coach Rich Rodriguez, along with my broadcast partner, the one and only Raquel. How's it going? It's good. It's good. You know, we've uh, had our first, uh, or attempted to have our first get together <laughs> with uh, the Monroe Warhawk alumni and uh, friends of the program with a golf tournament. We're all fired up, driving out. The weather's nice. Get loaded up on the golf courts, and boom, here comes the rain. Canceled. We got a bunch of rain. They get a lot of rain on the bayou. But we had uh, talked about the program a little bit. That's been that's kept a busy, busy week for us. And uh, then in less than two weeks, uh, we start summer school, summer workouts, and get ready to go. When's your first day of summer workouts? Well, they come back to first, and then we are, believe it or not, we are still doing COVID testing. So they've got they got to get the guys tested. And then uh, a couple days after that, they'll start their summer workouts. And actually, the way it works out for our guys, they have about three and a half weeks of work, three and a half weeks of workouts. Then they got a week, July fourth week off, and then they got about another four weeks, and then they got a half a week off, and then practice starts. So it, it'll go by pretty quick. And and for right now, we're still adding players. I mean, we might be adding players. I told, I was telling some of the alumni we might be adding them up to the third quarter of the first game. So we're 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 on the lookout so the fcs national championship happened this sunday it was a great game i didn't get a chance to watch it but i heard it was a great game we have a personal connection there what were your thoughts on it sam houston they're champions yeah one double a fcs and and it was a great spring season and uh watched the bearcats b-a-r-k-a-t-s I went again, a little bit delayed on the rain, had a, had a, had a long delay in the second quarter, but only three-minute halftime. I thought that was brilliant. But uh, but to watch them come back and really competitive, uh, Casey Keeler, their coach, head coach, uh, has won two of them, won one there for the first one for them, and also won at, Del- won at Delaware a few years back when he was uh, the coach there that was his alma mater, did a great job. And one of our guys that we know uh, very well just sent me a, no- a nice note uh, just the other day, after they won a championship, Parker Whiteman, who is mm-hmm. uh, was, was a longtime strength coach with us, with us at many of our stops, a great strength coach, even better person, and I know he's made an impact on their program too. So Parker's got him a national championship ring, Raquel, at at uh, at Sam Houston State, and and congrats to their their team. And South Dakota State had a great year too, but Sam Houston uh, got it done, beat a lot of good teams to win a championship. Yeah, Coach Parker trained me on the off season, off off cheer season when I was in college, and I was in some of the best shape when Coach Parker was training me. <laughs> yeah, pa- Parker and, and and Chris Allen and that crew. I was I've always been blessed wherever I've been to have drink great strength coaches. We got a great one here at at Monroe. I'm really excited about our strength staff here, but that's so important. I know we talked about it, and you even remember as as, you, as an athlete in college training as a cheerleader. You know, there is a difference between the, you know, they're, they're all pretty good, but there are great ones and good ones. And if you get a great, a great strength coach, your program is going to get elevated for sure. 
What did you think of their head coach, Casey Keeler, saying he has a PhD in the playoffs? Listen, that was, I, thought, I had never heard that before. Saying, yeah, he's got, and you think about it, Casey, you know, he's won a national championship in Delaware, and he's won at Sam Houston State. But when he said, I'm like, okay, I got to check out this guy's record because he's, you know, that's pretty good. And, <laughs> and he has won, and this might be crazy, like 24 straight home playoff games at home. That's remarkable. Uh, to to do that on any level, and so he is. I mean, he he's done it. He's a winner, and he he brought a winning program to to Sam Houston State. He won big at, at Delaware. I think I, I've met him a couple of times back when he was at Delaware West when we were having our big run at West Virginia, and uh, we were at some. Um, he was getting some awards thing then, but uh, yeah, yeah, he got a PhD, PhD in playoffs. That's pretty good to have. Yeah, clearly, and he can back it up with his national, with his back second up. national championship. And beat good teams along the way, some really good mm-hmm. teams to mm-hmm. get to the championship. What do you think of the new Pac-12 commissioner, George Kilakoff? It's, uh, I know a lot of people are probably thinking, who? And it's outside the box. But you mm-hmm. know what? The Pac-12 better think outside the box. I think we've talked about a little bit on the on our podcast, but I think for years they've been behind uh, the other power fives simply because of of not getting the same revenue from the Pac-12 network. And nobody can find it. I mean, I heard in L.A. you can't get it, which is ridiculous. There's the you know, biggest market in the Pac-12, and they can't even watch a Pac-12 network. So this guy, from what I understand, the people that know him, talk to him, he understands media rights. He understands marketing. He obviously has put together a lot of big things when he's ahead of MGM uh, Entertainment and all that. So I think outside the box – uh, he's going to help. Now, what he probably doesn't have a great feel for is what the college game is about. But if you have a good enough personnel and you're willing to learn, which from my understanding he will, he'll go around and ask the questions, uh, meet the athletic directors, listen to the coaches. And that's what you got. You got to listen to the presidents. They're the boss. But you also got to listen to the coaches and listen to the ADs and get their ideas and suggestions on how to make the league grow, grow revenue-wise and everything else. And I'm sure his personality is the type that they feel can do that. So, uh, you know, they needed something. And mm-hmm. I think he could be the answer. But they got to get the presidents on board, too. I mean, you got to get presidents at the schools to understand the importance of having a thriving athletics program. And if you got a president that feels that way, it starts from there. And one thing I know you kind of wanted to talk about is if you have a really great football program or a really great athletics department and programs, it can really make a difference with student enrollment and overall help your university. Yeah, I'm hoping, you know, we're talking, most of the people probably listen to us, Raquel, are athletic-oriented people that, you know, understand or support athletics or involved in athletics. So I'm hoping somebody will listen to our podcast that maybe hasn't been involved in athletics or don't really understand, you know, the the um, value that an athletics program can do to you, especially not just at the large schools. I mean, that's evident. I mean, you think the enrollment and the, uh, you know, the, the donations at Alabama and Clemson aren't at the all-time high? Well, look at even some of the small schools. Like, for instance, Lindsey Wilson College. You may not have heard that. It's an NAIA school in Kentucky. Ten years ago, or about ten years ago, they restarted their football program. This year, they just won an NAI national championship, a small college championship. You watch how that helps with their enrollment. I mean, it's a small private school, about two thousand. They'll probably add three or four hundred extra students by doing that. The value of, of particularly football and successful football at all levels 
who bring in revenue, whether it's bringing revenue with more students enrolled on campus or bringing in revenue from attention, being on TV or what have you. So if I was a president of a small college and we didn't have football, um, I would start football right away. That'd be the first sport I'd add because you're talking about getting about 120 to 150 students to, mm-hmm. to enroll in the school to participate in your football program. And it just makes sense. So I'm hoping more teams, more schools will add football and see the value of it. So recently, Coach Chris Peterson from formerly at Washington and a couple other places, of course, Boise, he did a piece, Bruce Fieldman from The Athletic interviewed him, and they kind of talked about the busyness and the imbalance of recruiting in college football and the grind. What did you think about that piece? I thought I was very interested. And of course, well, we let our, let our listeners know I'm, I'm, I'm very good friends with Coach Peterson. Coach Pete and I go way back um, and are very good friends and, and been on several different trips, Nike trips, what have you, and play golf together and all that. But when I read that, and a lot of coaches in all sports could probably identify with what he was talking about, that he, you know, he mentioned that, that you know, he got into the Rose Bowl. And you know, it's a pinnacle of, of, of coaching and being in that environment. And you should be excited and fired up. And, and you're, while you're happy and proud for your program, you so, you're so worried, I say worried or, or consumed with the game that you don't even get to enjoy the surroundings. It's like you should enjoy it more. And he wasn't enjoying it. And I know exactly how you're feeling because I can remember several big bowl games we were in. And you're just so focused on what we got to do to win, what we got to do to win. You don't kind of, I guess, stop and smell the roses. Is that a good, you know, right. kinda, so to speak? And and it does. It kind of just because it does. It can you and you could could be the test of it. You and your mom and your brother, a full test to it is like, you know, are are we full as coaches? Are you fully engaged and enjoying the moment with your family, or are you just totally consumed with the next thing that's going on in football? Mm-hmm. And it, it is, it is, it is different. And nowadays, it's all consuming. It's always been consuming for coaches. You're not making complaints. I mean, you make a great salary. It's it's great and all this, but at some point, you need to enjoy it more. And those coaches that are able to create that balance are seem to last a little longer. And and I thought Coach Pete's article was probably relatable to a lot of coaches and probably a lot of people in a lot of professions that they don't they don't get to really enjoy life as much because they're all consumed with their job yeah it's probably takes a big toll on your mental health and you're just not able to enjoy life as much too and this not just for coaches but any profession that just can be all consuming last thing that we'll talk about in our under review segment is hawaii they of course we talked about it several months ago that their stadium was uh, what's it called? Condemned, meaning they yeah. no longer can no uh, play in Aloha Stadium. Yeah, you can no longer play in Aloha Stadium, but now they found a new spot that they can have their games. And I think there's going to be like 9,000 yeah, uh, fans is, allowed. What do you think about a that? little place uh, right on campus. And they're going to add some bleachers to go from like 3,000 to 9,000. So it'll be the smallest, you know, 1A uh, stadium from that regard. But you know what? It's probably going to create a great atmosphere. Yeah. You know, that's going to be right on campus. They can fill it up. They can have some people standing on the corners and maybe get 15000 or whatever. And it'll be loud because it's going to be a smaller condensed deal uh, right on campus. And so they're going to do that for three years. 
and hopefully they, they have a bigger stadium built by them. But I bet they'll wind up liking that, and they can create something special. So uh, that's going to be good because they're obviously where they go. There's nowhere on the island, I guess, that they could go to have a big crowd other than Aloha Stadium. Mm-hmm. So doing something right on campus makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, they're going to be the smallest stadium in FBS, but it's going to kind of be like an exclusive club, you know, like they there's only a certain amount of people that can get in. Maybe it might start a new trend. Yeah, I don't know if they'll have bottle service or anything like that going on there, but I mean, they're going to have, it's going to be, you know, I think there's a lot of people are going to look at small, now they're looking at smaller stadiums and making more luxury boxes and make it more of an experience, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. I guarantee there's a lot of people that want to get out and enjoy the outdoors and enjoy activities, whether it's athletics or concerts or something, because we've been cooped up for for this damn pandemic. Uh, it's ready to get that over with, and let's go have some fun. Yeah, and I know, I can't remember what school it was, but I bet you there are schools that struggle with attendance. And I could potentially see a trend of schools that struggle with attendance, maybe taking out as many seats or bleachers that they have and then just making it, little less seats, but making them nicer and have a nicer area and then potentially kind of hiking up those prices. So then you get a big kind of a bigger revenue because if you're not selling out, you can kind of create more of a demand because there's not as many seats. Yeah, you remember when we talked about at Arizona Stadium, what we would do, put a put a pool right there in the right by the student section. Right. Yeah. You have a little atmosphere right there going on. You got great weather there. I mean, you got to, again, you got to think outside the box to get people to come to games and get people to enjoy it. You know what they got to do is because every game's on TV at the big school mm-hmm. level. So what are you going to do to make that experience at the game better than sitting at home and watching it on a 55 inch big screen TV? Right. Where you can walk up and go to the refrigerator and get your snacks, whatever. Well, the experience at the game has to, has to be that much better than, than sitting at home. And yeah. so it's, it's not just a game. It's the environment before. It's the environment at halftime. It's a, obviously the product on the field. But also, you know, you're in a stadium experience that, man, you, you, it was a, I was there and it was a blast. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and it watched some pretty good football or basketball, whatever, as well. So let's get to your coaching tip of the day. What is it? Okay, for for the for the football junkies out there that, that like to talk a little X and O and and uh, you know what what's what's on the table today from a coaching scheme standpoint, I want to talk about what spread offense is because we've been running a spread offense for thirty years, and people say, well, what, it was, back then it was a little different. And so exactly what is spread and why do you spread and what's the advantage of spreading your wide receivers from sideline to sideline and putting slot guys way out in space as opposed to bringing them in condensed. And you see both now. I think you see a both. most teams will do a combination of spread and condensed or tight. Now, what's the advantage? The, big, the advantage of spread, obviously, if you spread people out, they got to spread people out to cover them. I don't care if you put a guy a yard from the sidelines. If you remember watching Baylor from a few years back, they literally put the guy almost out of bounds. If you, if you line them out there, somebody's going to line up out there with them. Because they got to cover them. All right. And if you put a guy in a slot, you know, in between the outside receiver and the lineman, if you put him halfway out there in space, they're going to put someone on him or someone at least in that area. Mm-hmm. And so by doing that as an offense, you can kind of identify what they're in uh, uh, defensively up front and certainly in the secondary. You can kind of identify the defense and see where the holes are at. Now, teams will disguise and moving around, but. Spread helps you identify it easier. 
Now you say, what's the advantage of going inside, going to a tighter formation? Well, in the tighter formation allows you to get more blocking angles if you want to block the safeties, or if they want to play man coverage and they're just better than you outside, they just lock you down and, and you know, lock you up out there, then you can bring your guys in the condensed formation and run rub routes or routes of get, picking each other and get their guys running. So very few teams will like to play a lot of press man with condensed formations because they'll get, you'll go run routes that'll get guys rubbed off or picked off. And so they'll normally, if you go in a condensed formation, they'll, you'll force them to get into a zone. And so uh, you know, there's a little advantages of both. I think you got to have probably both uh, in your arsenal, so to speak. But the trend nowadays in particular is to move both from condensed to wide and wide to condensed, uh, but having the ability to do both, to have your guys split out wide. And if you have a big tight end athlete type, that you mm-hmm. can split him out wide and put him in tight. Then you could do that fast, go tight and wide without subbing and control the tempo as well. What would you say the cons are having each one, a spread and a condensed formation? Well, in a spread formation, if they want to put lock you up man-to-man they can, and they're just better than you athletically up there, you could still try to get guys rubbed together. But it's going to be so obvious when you do that, you're going to get a penalty. You know, mm. so they, they can just lock those guys down and just play, you know, you know, seven on six in the box or what have you. Um, and so there'll be a lot of times when you see that happen, teams will do motion and move guys from wide in or in out and get motion so the guys can't get a lineup right face right on his face and jamming. So motion a lot of times will allow you some freedom to get your receivers or your slot receivers open in space. All right, the, the the disadvantage of the condensed formation is they can load the box up and you don't know who's covering who. If the guy's car, covering a wide out, is he blitzing? Is he going to stay in a run fit? And so uh, they can put a lot of people in the box and it's hard to identify who to block when you put everybody in there tight. So there's, there's pros and cons of each. Uh, I think spreading... That is easier than condensing, but I can see why there's some condensing that goes on too. Because a lot of teams will condense the formation to go block the safety on a run play instead of the corner, thinking that the safety is going to be a better tackler. And the corners, a lot of corners don't like to tackle one. And let's force that little skinny guy, you know, to tackle off the edge. So <laughs> there's a little bit of both. And I think you could probably do both. Uh, and most teams do both nowadays. And just to go back to the basics in case someone is just playing catch up on their football knowledge, can you explain what going in motion means and what the box means? Yeah, the box is simply, as you know, is the box is simply from tackle to tackle, offensive tackle off to offensive tackle, about a yard outside of each to about five yards deep. If you drew a box from that though from tackle to tackle to about five yards deep, those are the guys that are in the interior where all the run plays start. And and that's usually, you know, typical run plays. You're going to see who's in the box. How many people are in the box? Can we have enough people to block those people in the box? Motion part offensively, because you're not in Canada, you can only have guy, one guy go motion laterally to mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage. And you're seeing a lot of that nowadays, not just for motion to get guys free in space, but also to determine coverage. A lot of teams will motion a guy to the center and back or motion him across the formation just to see if somebody runs with them. Obviously, if they run with them, you know it's man coverage. 
if they pass it off, then it's a zone coverage. That's like a lot of times you'll see, uh, a lot of times a, a team will put their running back split way outside wide, outside the wide receivers. And the reason they'll do that is if, if a defense puts a linebacker way out there with them, well, you know it's man coverage. Mm-hmm. If they don't, it's, 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 it's probably zone coverage, even though they can still play man. But if you know if they put a linebacker way out, split out wide with a running back, uh, they're not playing zone. They're playing man, and that tells you something right there. So we've got one question of the week we're going to do this week. This is an interesting one. So we've talked about it in the past. UFOs, aliens, Area 52. This person wants to know, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the recently released 60 Minutes piece on unidentified aerial phenomenons? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, what I've been saying, Rocky, I've been telling you for, for 20 years now, they are out there. They are <laughs> out there. And the government knows it, <laughs> and people have seen them. You know what? What you explain it is it is it another? It's not our country. Is it another country that far advanced of us technologically? No. So I mean, let's get the truth. Let's get it out there. I don't think they're here to harm us. They probably would have tried that that far advanced. Maybe they're just curious. You know, just <laughs> like we're curious. So I would really wouldn't wouldn't I'd be curious to let our listeners how how much they believe in it or if they think that there, there's still some things out there that we don't know about. And all of a sudden that the truth is coming out about the, the unidentified aerial phenomenons is what they're calling them right now. So uh, the stories, the facts, the video evidence <laughs> of the unidentified aerial phenomenons is out there and coming to you soon. Coming to you soon. So you think it's pretty compelling. It's very compelling. And the people that are saying it are are not just, they're not doing it for attention. Uh, there's Navy pilots. There's government officials. Uh, I think somewhere I saw somewhere President Obama said, yeah, yeah. Oh, yep, I saw. I know there's something about that. So, hey, let's let the cat out of the bag. I mean, let's. <laughs> Let's let's. Uh, I don't see anybody's too worried about it, but I think, I think that's pretty important. When if somebody's got that much kind of uh, advanced in technology over us, we got to be prepared for that thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw. I think it was like a um, you know a Netflix special or like a piece where this comedian was talking about like of all the years twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, this is the year to say, hey, there's aliens because people are so worried about oh, everything yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, I just you know. Like, oh, there's aliens. Okay. Okay, why? Do I got to wear a mask? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Have they been COVID tested? (laughs) They haven't been tested yet. They need to get vaccinated. Do they? Yeah. (laughs) They need to get vaccinated. That's right. So we're going to wrap up our short episode this week. What is our funny football story you have? Well, this is, uh, it reminds me of a time uh, when I went to horse racing, horse races. And I'll bring that up in a second. We're playing West Virginia. We're playing at Connecticut. And they had this, their their field, their stadium. It's a nice stadium, but it was built on an old airport runway. So it's kind of wide open and, and uh, the locker room's a little bit away, you know, a little bit of a walk to the field, what have you. But anyway, it's getting ready to go uh, before halftime. I don't know, five minutes ago, I think it's some before halftime. And and we have the ball on offense and, and uh, we had we had a big, tall wide receiver that was, that was pretty good and uh, pretty fast and and so I was looking to throw a big deep, uh, deep pass to him, maybe try to get a touchdown right before half, and I couldn't find him. He wasn't nowhere on the sidelines. 
Uh, coaches didn't know where he was. The trainers didn't know where he was. And I was screaming, like, where is, you know, where is he at? Where is he at? Where is he at? And then one of the guys said, coach, he's, he's uh, in the restroom. You know, he's, he had to go to the restroom. I'm like, now? <laughs> in the middle of the game? Are you kidding me? So thankfully, we had a TV timeout or something. And I had somebody, I said, run and get him out. We need him, like, you know, right now. And you could probably tell, you know. Here comes this big tall guy running out of the locker room, and the very first play is in there. And I, you know, we throw a deep pass and caught a fifty. Man, he ran right by the guy for a fifty-five yard touchdown right before half. And I'm like, yo, maybe he felt a little lighter. Maybe he felt good <laughs> after that deal. And you know, it, it worked. And so it reminded me when I went to a horse races one time, and a buddy of mine had bet on horses all the time. Says, "We," well, he said, "Coach, you don't, you know, you want to look at the really the jockeys more than a horse, with the exception being if you see some horses or a horse." goes to the restroom right as he's walking out to the track. That's the one to bet on. He feels good. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And I said, what if more than one of them go? He said, then you got to make sure you pick the right jockey. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, you got to pick the right jockey. Have you ever been to a big horse race before? Well, we went to uh, um, uh, out in, uh, uh, in in California, some derby races out there. I've never been to Kentucky Derby. I've heard so many great stories about it, but... It, it's it's fun to watch just the people watch you know mm-hmm. you can go there and people watch and you know see some of those crazy hats they wear and all that but it's the um it's it, you know i'm sure it's it's a pretty competitive situation and they're more than one race you know those people that bet on those horses the ones that do it a lot uh you know they they know what they're talking about well i think that wraps up this week's episode do you have anything else you want to add dad yeah, I think any, and we, I know we have a lot of coaches that listen, um, you know, football coaches and you know, even coaches of other sports. If you have any scheme questions, any, um, uh, things that coaching tips or pro, even program wide things that whether no matter what level you're at and you want to ask, uh, hard edge football, please send it in. And, and we love to hear from, from everybody and, and love to talk ball. So, uh, with that, with that, and Raquel, she's got a lot of experience in the media part of it too. So any questions you have dealing with the, with media or TV or what have you, please feel free to contact us with Hard Edge Football. We appreciate everyone listening. You can follow us on social media at Hard Edge Football on Instagram at Hard Edge FB. We hope you have a great rest of your week. <laughs>